Welcome to Conversations at Heal. This is your host, Susan Jacoby. Today we're going to be talking about betrayal and how we can graciously move into self-love. I know that these are topics that seem to run our lives when we get right down to the true pain that we're having. Our guest today is Patricia Rabon. Patricia's personal essays on family and faith have been published in the New York Times Magazine, Newsweek, and many faith-related news blogs. Her writings have also been aired on NPR, National Public Radio. She is the author of two award-winning books, as well as her most recent book, a faith memoir entitled Undivided, A Muslim Daughter, Her Christian Mother, Their Path to Peace. Her website is Patricia Raybon, R-A-Y-B-O-N.com. I really value Patricia's willingness to be vulnerable and open in sharing. Her lessons of healing serve so many on their special path to self-love. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad that we're opening up the space that we can approach it. I've had... This week, two conversations, actually in the past 48 hours, with two people who, one especially, feels betrayed by family, and another who's experienced betrayal by life. She lost her husband as a young wife, became a widow at a relatively young age. I do hear a lot of stories of betrayal, and and they're painful. Betrayal hurts. Um, I'm just starting to learn how to quiet my urgency to respond to people and the stories they're telling me and first say to them, that is terrible. That never should have happened. And you have every right to be feeling confused and damaged and angry and unforgiving. (laughs) And all the things that, you know, betrayal can elicit. I think that's crucial that you offer that space. I have found, including my own personal experience, that every single one of us needs to be acknowledged where we are right now. Yes. For a long time, I didn't know how important that acknowledgement is. I think part of the problem is that I've always been like a lot of us in in our country, we are fixers. We like things to be fixed. Somebody says that they're hurting almost immediately. Many of us, if not most, start to offer fixes. You know, you should do this, and you should go there, and you should read that. What I'm finally learning is that Before all of that, people just want to be heard. I was talking about that with my husband this morning because we've experienced that some family members recently. I said to him, I think I'm finally getting it. Um, When people are feeling bad, they want for somebody to say, I hear you. And what you're going through is really a hard thing. Turns out that is... um, a great gift to give somebody. Just the awareness, the the sensitivity to 
say, I'm not trying to fix you, and I hear you. I was thinking, Susan, about of people I consider my best friend. In fact, the, the woman I, I do consider my very, very best friend. We, in fact, we did, had a, brec- a brunch together on Saturday because we hadn't seen each other in a long time because of busy schedules, and we made time to do that. But I, when I think about the reason why she has become such a beloved, loyal, wonderful friend is that she always lets me know first, I hear you. It's interesting. Why is that? Why that's so hard for us to uh, to do that and to say that to people who are hurting? Seems like the country, maybe even the whole world, is so focused on quick fixes, immediate fix. I was thinking about um, addictions, more specifically this huge problem that the United States is having around Mm -hmm. pain pills and and such. And talk about a quick fix. That is the ultimate quick fix almost, just to block the pain out, where we just kind of live our lives numb, blindfolded. We don't even want to see what someone else is feeling or hear their pain, let alone uh, share ours. Our own? Yeah, and and I I think you'd agree this is not to judge because a lot of people are getting prescribed medication for a legitimate physical and emotional pain. I understand that, you know, if you have something hurts, you want relief. I think you're talking about something that's really important, and that is first, no matter what the situation, to say to people, I'm hearing your story, and you life or somebody in your life or um, some circumstance has left you uh, hurting and damaged, you get to talk about that. Before anything else, you get to talk about that. That's why writing is such a, a useful tool. Mm-hmm. You're right. I do agree with you. I'm not making any judgments about the medicine thing. People mm-hmm. who know me know that. I'm not sure I'd be alive talking to you if it weren't for a variety of medicines that got me to this point. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that you brought that up because that is not my intention at all. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. I, I, I think we hear enough. We want to be careful, and especially those of us who are not professional therapists. You know, I'm not a licensed um, psychotherapist. I am not an ordained pastor. Um, I'm not a seminarian. I write, and I have been a writer my entire life. I'm the least qualified to start dispensing judgment on people and on their their pain and how they're handling it. But what I have been shown, and I'm grateful for the lesson, is uh, what we've been saying in this opening part of the, the podcast today, and that is the critical importance of just taking a deep, deep breath and listening when somebody's telling their story. If nothing else, um, I hope our listeners can hear that and dare to practice it, you know, just see what happens. Right. You know, pause and, and listen to somebody. 
not be so quick to offer your your observation, your opinion, your contribution. Just back and, and listen. The other thing that I did not know, and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed about not knowing, but I'm so grateful I learned it, and, and I learned it while writing the, the book that you mentioned that I wrote with my daughter, and that's the importance during the listening process to then start asking questions. Again, that's another delay, you know, delaying that urge to fix by saying, tell me more, or I bet that did feel bad. What was the, you know, what was the um, most challenging thing about that? How has it made you feel? You know, these are things that I have learned when I saw my daughter writing in one of her sections of our book growing up that I didn't ever ask her questions, that I was a mom who was always giving instructions and directions, never saying, what do you think? I bet you have a good idea about that. Tell me um, how you see this. Learning that from her and how important it is to ask has changed all of my relationships. I do that now more with my husband, uh, with my grandchildren. And my youngest grandchildren are, are pretty young. The youngest is three years old. But that she's still not too young for me to say, well, well, what do you think about this? <laughs> it's a great gift. The question says, I believe that you're a thinking person and, and you've got an opinion. Let me take a minute and hear, hear what it is. And it also says, um, I value you. Yes, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. That's a, another really good nugget for our listeners to ask a, a child or whoever it may be, you know, about you know, just what you were saying, just awareness that you're bringing that will enrich um, someone's relationship. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I hope it's okay to say this, that I learned this lesson from the stories of Jesus in the Bible, whose ministry was largely about healing, healing the blind, healing the sick, healing those the disabled. And a lot of those healing stories uh, show Jesus asking questions of people who are sick. Do you want to be healed? What do you want me to do for you? And in fact, one time I Googled the, the phrase, the questions Jesus asked, and thousands of, thousands of people have written about these questions because there's something in the valuing of a question, as you described it, Susan, that helps people decide, first of all, if they want to be healed. Uh, one of my favorite Bible stories is about a man who was laying by a, a healing pool for 38 long years, and Jesus comes along and sees him and asks him a question. And he says, do you want to be healed? You know, it's a powerful question for a man who's been uh, laying at this healing pool for a long, long time. The man starts to make excuses. You know, he says, well, people get get into the pool before I can. And, and, and the quick end of that story is Jesus tells a man to pick up your bed and walk, you know, choose, basically choose to 
choose healing. My husband and I talk about it a lot, Susan, because about 10 years ago, he had a medical emergency and lost the ability to walk until he had a surgery that corrected the problem. After the surgery, it was a ten, almost 10-hour 10 brain surgery. After he got out of ICU, the rehab doctors didn't tell him what to do. They asked him how much did he want to be healed. And one of them said to him, how much do you want back? You know, he, he couldn't walk at that point. And the doctor said, how much do you want back? And my husband said, I want it all. I want I want every, and so he, my husband had to decide that he wanted to be healed as much as all that he could be, and then the rehab program was put into place and started. It's interesting, we talk about that all the time, how he had to choose that he wanted healing. It's an important point for people who are hurting to consider. I'm glad that you're bringing that up. It takes the person, it takes one who, they're not, you know, maybe not intentionally in the quote-unquote victim role, or when things happen to you, you are a victim. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just, you're a victim of that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a chance to really take a look at your, your personal power your um, ownership of your situation and make the decision what exactly is it that you want. It's a very empowerful and and that you're entitled to having what you want. I know for um, mm-hmm. very it's very common for survivors of childhood trauma not to feel that they're worthy. And by asking somebody what do they want, you're asking them, you're making them decide to answer the question, and they have to know that they're worthy of that answer, you know, whatever yeah. answer it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well said. Otherwise, a victim, as you said, can be left in the dust of the hurt and the struggle and forget or maybe not ever learn that they deserve to make a choice for living or sounds dramatic to say living or dying but you know metaphorically to make a choice how they will respond liberating to for somebody to say to pose that question thank you for being on our show and visit her website for uh, more information uh, patricia raybon.com uh, Please contact me at Susan at ConversationsWithHeal.com if I can support you on your healing journey. Leave a comment on Blog Talk or iTunes to support us in reaching listeners in search of living a life of peace and joy. Above all, remember that you are a lovable and a capable human being. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal.